0: Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Muni Lowdown, the podcast produced by DebtWire Municipals. It is January 7th, 2021, and we're continuing our series a podcast with guest speakers known as State of Play. And we're bringing back Tom Kozik, Head of Strategy and Credit at Hilltop Securities. Tom, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back on the Muni lowdown. All right. Always a pleasure to have you. Briefly, uh, again, Tom Kozik is a fixed income strategist and credit analyst. He focuses on state and local government and other municipal bond market sectors such as higher ed, nonprofit healthcare, transportation and housing. Now, Tom, you came uh, about a month ago. Great podcast we had with you, and we're glad to have you back. And we talked about a lot of things. And I know you mentioned that you were go- you were going to talk about things after the Georgia runoff, which happened yesterday. So let's start with that because I I told you at the end of the podcast I'm going to hold you to a word to bring you back, in which you are here. So let's talk about muni issuance in general. You had like sort of a, something to work with, and tell us what's different now.
1: So, back in the middle of November, we published a forecast for issuance for 2021 that was at the low end of probably most most people's expectations, and it was at $375 billion. Now, there have been a few very important things that have changed since then. The first thing is Congress did, by the end of 2020, approve a fifth phase of COVID relief. And so, that alone would have made it so I would have increased our issuance forecast by at least $25 billion. Uh, now, that did not include direct aid for states and cities, but it did include some aid that was going to flow to school districts. It includes some aid that was going to flow to some issuers in the transportation sector and healthcare and and in higher ed, and so it was going to offer... Uh, some support for municipal credit and municipal issuers. And so that was going to be one important factor that was going to make it so we would increase our issuance uh, forecast. The other potential was if the Democrats could complete that what a lot of folks were referring to as a blue wave and take Mm -hmm. control of not only the White House, as they did, Mm -hmm. but also the Senate, because that was really going to be the thing that could springboard a decent amount of additional support. And so we saw that happen at the beginning of this week. And I'm expecting now that that number is going to be I don't I haven't put in the, a specific number on it, but because we're still, you know, right in the same week that all this happened, but I'm expecting that based on what it is that we are looking for a now coming into the 2020 landscape, I wouldn't be surprised if we see issuance somewhere
0: between 500 and 600 billion. I see. So when you talk about issuance, I know uh, in 2020, it was a record year for taxable munis. Tell us, you know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: It was a, yeah, it was a record. It was a record year for all, you know, almost 475 billion. It was a record for overall munis. It was a record for taxable munis. The key driver of taxable issuance was the fact that as a result of the 17 tax cut issuers were no longer able to use tax and bonds for advance refundings. I think that that is, I think it's there's a potential that as part of a infrastructure bill that could come sometime this year, that ta- uh, advance refundings with tax exempts could come back. So. I would expect that I, we're not exactly sure when that could happen because we don't have details yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it could happen as early as the first or second quarter of this year. That being said, we could see we could see some issuers, you know, if there are refundings that are working on a taxable basis now, we could see that issuers uh, execute advanced refundings with taxables. But it, it's very possible that if legislation brings back advanced refundings with tax exempts, that we could see overall taxable issuance uh, fall because of the fact that they'll be able to use tax exempts.
0: Now, you were mentioning, uh, you, you touched on a couple of things I want to talk about. One will be later, infrastructure, but you also talked about the 2000, 2017 uh, Tax Act. Let's Could we see possibly a repeal of the SALT deductions back then?
1: I think that there is really the potential for anything that was proposed and then
0: approved
1: by the house democrats i think that there really is the potential for anything like that that has been talked about you know mostly in 2020 that that is on the table uh and i would imagine that that is something that uh, very well could be part of uh some i'm not sure and i guess we we don't we don't yet know if there's going to be a a sixth phase of relief that's going to be standalone and then an infrastructure package that would be standalone or if Mm -hmm. they would be together. Uh, We don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but last year we saw the House Democrats propose and approve the HEROES Act Mm -hmm. and we saw the House Democrats propose and approve the Moving Forward Act which was a a a trillion and a half of infrastructure-focused legislation. And I think that in one of those packages, that is something that we very well could see.
0: Now, with infrastructure, that's been a big part of Biden's agenda. Now, I think the last package you said that possibly with the Democrats in control of Congress, could we see an expedited process in terms of getting things done within infrastructure?
1: Yeah, I guess one of the things that I would say is that infrastructure means things to different people and infrastructure means things to to different parties. I'm going to you know mention again that back in June the House Democrats uh, unveiled and then approved its moving forward act mm-hmm. and in that they included a taxable bab like program mm-hmm. they included which you know could very well help to increase overall issuance the way that you know babs or build america bonds did back in 2009 and 2010 right it inclu- it included the idea that uh, tax exempt ref- uh, re- advanced refundings could happen with tax exempts it also included a permanent increase in the bq or the bank qualified limit and there were there were several other municipal bond friendly elements that were included in there um, but those were really the big ones and i think that like i said Any of the things in the Moving Forward Act that have already been approved by the House, uh, they are definitely on the table to be potentially included as far as timing. One of the things that you just asked about was timing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I think that, you know, the earliest we could expect would be something along the lines of late February. But even that, I mean, that's really early. Uh, I would imagine that kind of late first quarter, sometime in the second quarter is the time when uh, any, we, we, we should, is the earliest we should expect anything with regard to a sixth phase and, or anything on an infrastructure.
0: Right. Cause I know, I believe it's the end of March when the, uh, employment benefit runs out for, um, the current benefit, which is $300 a week will expire in March. So that's also in terms of timing that's relevant there. Yeah. So
1: yeah, I guess that's why it, you know, to me, it depends, uh, it, it, it it seems to me that the priority might be for them to hit something kind of sixth phase mm-hmm. release slash stimulus and then tackle infrastructure but then again you know maybe it maybe it's possible and maybe they prefer to 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 do something together
0: so let's let's talk about like a general theme the political landscape we, we're talking about the federal level and now that the two um race the the two senate uh, senators in georgia are, are democratic now which basically effectively gives them a, a control of congress how does that affect states state and local governments overall i think that one of the big things that it does is it opens uh the
1: doors to potential direct unencumbered relief for state and local governments in the heroes act that was proposed and then approved back in May, there was almost a trillion dollars of direct relief for state and local governments. Uh, that, over the last you know, seven or eight months, has been one of the sticking points to getting a fifth phase of relief done. Uh, but it was something that was definitely a priority for the Democrats. They just had to leave, out, leave it off the table in order to get something done at the end of the year. That being said, I think that, you know, there are still pretty significant state and local government budget shortfalls that are expected. Number one. Number two, I'm expecting that those budget shortfalls could very well worsen in coming weeks and months. One of the one of the big things that not a lot of folks are talking about is the fact that not only is COVID still out there, COVID is still spreading uncontrollably. Right the month yeah the month of december was the worst month that we've seen for covid related deaths it was 77,000 and there are projections that are out there expecting that covid related deaths could almost double in january and remain high in february so mm-hmm. you know even though the vaccines were rolled out in december covid is still out there covid is still going to be the driving you know what happened in georgia is actually is very good for municipal credit it is our ups it plays right into that upside that we have been talking about but COVID is still out there COVID is even you know worse than it's been and my concern is that you know as i in in my seat i'm looking at the spread i'm not only am i looking at the spread i'm looking at the mobility numbers the mobility numbers at the end of november and at the end of december were worsened and they worsened significantly they worsened to the point where they were back at the end of may and there is a direct relationship between what those mobility numbers look like and what economic activity is Uh, our economics group a day or two ago published a piece noting that uh, this covid resurgence uh, already started to impact uh, fourth quarter economic data Uh, i'm expecting that that's going to continue And I'm expecting that the budget fork, you know, even though there seemed to be some improvement in the third and the beginning, maybe even the beginning of the fourth quarter with regard to where state and local government budgets were, I'm expecting that those budget shortfalls are going to worsen uh, because of not only just the rise of this third wave, but because of how bad this third wave is likely to be. And that then plays into, I think, what you're getting at, and you know what we are looking at now and what we're looking at now is a situation where lawmakers in d c you know have already put a blueprint out in their Heroes Act about what aid could look like uh, for state and local governments specifically that I'm talking about you know there hasn't been any direct unencumbered aid for state and local governments either in the CARES Act or in that fifth phase, and that is something that these entities absolutely are going to need.
0: Right. And sticking with the COVID theme, this is all plays. it all is, is part of it because you've got, for now, two vaccines that are out, but th- it's up to the states in terms of distribution, and inserting them into people's arms. Now, let's talk about long term, you've, you've got the vaccination, how does that play into in terms of this budget shortfall that say local governments are going to, you know, they're going to be impacted big time? let's talk about the vaccine and moving forward, let's say probably in terms of possibly normalcy, I've heard like second half of this Mm -hmm. year or fourth quarter of this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, it seems as though, based on what it is that health officials are saying and what forecasts are showing is that in the best case scenario at the end of the summer, or maybe in the third quarter of this year, the kind of vaccine process could be coming i don't want to say to a to a it could be final because it's going to be an ongoing process but it's going to get to the point where uh, a decent percentage you know maybe 70 to 80 percent of uh, the folks in the us have had an opportunity to get vaccinated But that's not going to happen until the end of the summer or the third quarter so i would expect that then even after that period there's still going to be a Period where folks, you know, are very well. They they could still be uncertain about whether or not uh, they want their kids to go to school, or whether or not they want to get on a plane, or they want to get on a train, and and or they they are comfortable getting, you know, going back to the office. There very well could be, you know, not just weeks, but a you know, a few month period that occurs, and that could be a barrier to, you know, you said normalcy. I don't think that we're going to be getting back to a pre-March of 2020 "quote unquote" normalcy. I think that there there are, you know, there are going to be some themes that are going to carry over and that are going to change what things look like uh, going forward. But if what we're talking about is normalcy, making it so people, you know, are more comfortable or making it so COVID is just a little more than an afterthought. You know, I, I think that we're still, you know, maybe that could begin towards the end of this year, but I think that we're still some time away from that. And as a result, I think that it's going to, you know, that also is going to worsen uh, the situations that state and local government budgets are going to have to deal with. The more people stay off, trains the more people stay off roads the more people limit their economic activity whether it's going out to dinner going out to lunch going to offices the longer that happens uh the longer that uh, budgets are going to uh, suffer
0: i think that's the wild card i think that's the one where you've got people who are even if with the vaccine they're not they're not they're not going to get it and if you have enough of them like you said it impacts the gov- uh local governments i don't know I, I think you mentioned on the last podcast that governments could local governments could uh they could have layoffs they could have a major impact for them so that's going to be that i think that's the wallet card right there so you even if vaccines available to the general public at whatever time who knows what's going to happen because we need hurt we and need that, to get
1: that that's yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, and that plays into what it is that I mentioned about what normal looks like mm-hmm. going forward. And that, that's one of the things that I, I, you know, I just don't, I don't think that I think that's going to take some time for people's expectation of what this virus is, could potentially do to them and or their families. You know, again, when that becomes an afterthought, then they're not going to think twice about going to have lunch or going to the office. Or, but if we still are at a point where 20 to 30% of the population still hasn't gotten vaccinated, and based on what the numbers are looking like, that remains a threat, then that could very well depress overall economic activity. Uh, again, I'm going to use what it is that we we started seeing at the end of November and December. Uh, the number of cases started to rise. The number of hospitalizations started to rise, and the number of deaths have started to rise. Now, granted, it's important to note that uh, there's, you know, this the spread is higher in specific areas and specific states, and it's hitting specific areas and specific states harder, for sure. That being said, I think that. You know in most cases those specific areas and specific states are the areas where there are uh higher population centers so but it's it's going to take some time in order to
0: get some semblance of normalcy right still exactly we just have a few more minutes left on our podcast but just want to wrap up maybe just a few more questions maybe what are your thoughts on now that democrats are in control of congress and obviously with Biden being formally confirmed yesterday. Tell us about the stimulus check. Obviously, uh, there's talk about, initially, the Republicans didn't want higher stimulus checks because then that'll add to the to the national deficit. But then now with Democrats in control, do you see a, a sort of a fast track for people to get the $2,000 stimulus checks as, um, as was proposed? I think that that's possible. I think that it's going
1: to depend on the priorities that the lawmakers identify, lay out, and then figure out for what a potential sixth phase looks like. I think that right now, we are, you know, based on the numbers that we're looking at, you know, in the beginning of, you know, to the middle of January, I think that there there are economic indicators that are worsening. Uh, The labor market, I think, is weakening at a level that it wasn't weakening at that it wasn't weakening uh you know just over the last couple of weeks and so it wouldn't surprise me if in addition to aid for state local governments if there are other kind of relief or stimulative measures that lawmakers
0: consider all right tom so now that the democrats are firmly in control uh tell us any last thoughts on that topic yeah,
1: this is, this as I mentioned, this, is, this was our upside for municipal credit. Uh, this is a scenario where we were expecting there to be more rather than less or no uh, relief for states and cities. And so, you know, as of right now, what we're waiting for is just to find out exactly what those details are going to look like. Some of those details are what we, you know, talked about with, you know, with regard to refundings or the SALT limitation or, you know, these other types of, Municipal bond-friendly elements. Now we are just, uh, you know, going to have to wait. For, you know, unfortunately, probably now at least a couple of weeks to figure out what those details are going to look like.
0: All right, Tom. Well, we will see. And um, but, Tom, thank you so much for your time. Happy New Year to you. Uh, hope you have a great 21 to yourself and your family and your cat. <laughs> thanks.
1: Th- thanks very much for having me back. And uh, we'll, you know, m- let's check in in a couple of weeks uh, as more details are released.
0: You got it, Tom. Take care.
1: Thanks very much, and have a good morning.
0: Bye. And that is our show for today. Many thanks to Tom Koslick from Hilltop Securities and Christian Ayala, our producer, for making us sound good. And as always, thanks to our listeners out there. We hope uh, all of you have a great 2021. 2020 is behind us, and hopefully things will be much better in this new year. Have a great new year. Happy new year. Happy and healthy to everybody, and take care. We'll catch you next time on the Media Down. Thanks for listening to the Muni Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.